Well, good morning. I'm glad that all of you are here and you did not let the weather deter you nor spring break. I feel like typically this whole room would be full, but they're probably off somewhere where it's not raining. So that's good for them. Down more. That's fine. That's fine. So who was here the very first event we had and I spoke about hope? Okay, thank you all for coming back. Um, I really appreciate that. And it's just as nerve wracking this time as it was that time. So I have coffee um, and loud breathing. So help me, Jess. I don't want to breathe their ears off. Is it better? Is that a little better? Somebody motioned to me what I should do. Well, maybe my face is misshaped. How's that? Is that better? Y'all didn't hear that. Okay. So we talked about hope. We talked about love. So obviously the next thing that falls in line is faith, right? So I was like super excited to talk about faith because you can hop right on uh, over. Don't do it now because it's not going to last. But in Hebrews chapter 11, I thought about faith because that's like the hall of heroes, right? Of faith. So I was reading in Hebrews 11, excited. And I cross-referenced over to James chapter 2. And immediately all the excitement went away because I realized that God did not say at that time that it was okay for me to park in Hebrews 11, that we were actually going to talk about James chapter 2, and that I wasn't excited anymore. Because if you've read the book of James, it's kind of like a throat punch. Like, you'll be living your life, and then you start reading in the book of James, and you're like, okay, so obviously we have so much work to do um, for me to do the same right. Oops. So, that's what we're going to talk about today. So, on your table in front of you, since it's a few verses, but y'all came here for the Word of God, so I figured using, like, I can't do simple math, but I figured using a good chunk of verses was not going to deter anybody from listening today, right? Y'all can handle the Word of God. Okay. So, James. James wrote this book, because, you know, we got to know about context. He wrote this in about 45-ish AD, okay? So James is the brother of Jesus, and he was not fully on board until after the resurrection, and then he became the head of the church in Jerusalem. So he's, like, legit, okay? He, like, lived with Jesus his whole life, saw him get crucified. If there was anybody that was going to doubt the Lord, it would be the person that lived with him, because isn't that how that goes? Has anybody ever become a Christian, and then all of a sudden you don't even fit in in your own home? Yes, thank you for affirming me back on that. So, that's where we're at today. So, we're going to talk about faith. I love to pull up the Greek. Um, I think last time we kind of talked about our American language falls so short of what um, we understand what the Bible says because we have the Holy Spirit to guide and to teach us, right? But their language was so much more con comprehensive, so it's nice to just, like, try to step into their world and their context. So, <clears throat> faith is the word pistis. So it means persuade, be persuaded, properly, persuasion, um, come to trust in faith. Okay. So that's what, when, when we're talking about faith here, I want you to like plug these definitions in your mind. There's only two. So uh, it could be a lot. I don't know. Maybe make a note. There's a place for notes on the back. This is what we're going to think about. And then works. So in James chapter 2, the theme is faith and works. How do these things fit together? 
See, when I told you I really wanted to park in Hebrews chapter 11, I wasn't joking because it's like so motivating. And then you get in James chapter 2 and you're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And we're going to talk about that. So the word for works is ergon. And it is a work or worker who accomplishes something. It's a deed. It carries out an inner desire. So I really want you guys to park mentally where it says that it carries out an inner desire, intention, purpose, okay? So when we think of uh, works, as we're fixing to read in James chapter 2, people seem to jump to the idea of, like, works of charity. Like, obviously, I need to go volunteer to soup kitchen, or I need to go feed the homeless, which are all good things, and those are works. But I want us, for the purpose of this message, to hold in our minds that the word work carries out an inner desire of the person. So that's going to change the way that we read these verses. So here we go in faith and works. Um, I'm going to read. I'm going to read straight off this paper. So what we'll do is I'll read all these verses, which you're going to be like, oh my gosh, that's forever. Um, But I'm going to read them anyways, because we always have time for the word of the Lord and y'all are sitting in chairs and it would be so rude if you got up and left. So, and yeah, so I'm going to read these and then we'll go back and kind of digest them piece by piece. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him? If a brother or a sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, if it has no works, is... Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, and you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead so also faith without works is dead. Isn't that what you would want to talk about when you come to a women's event? It isn't what I was going to pick, but I don't get to pick. So in verse 14, when he says, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him? And before we got to James chapter 214, uh, James was talking earlier in the chapter to the church about showing partiality between the rich and the poor, and he was, like, really going in on them. So that's also context of this chapter that we can keep in mind as we move forward. He was writing to Christians of Jewish background that knew how hard it was to follow the Mosaic law, right? Do y'all remember in the Old Testament when they're like, hey, you can't mix two different kinds of fabric? How do I go back? Oh, oh. How do I, what do I do? Just kidding. Okay. So they knew how hard it was, like, 
to live by the letter of the, of the law, right? <clears throat> so when they were set free from the intense rule following, their minds kind of went to the extreme. Why do they have to do anything at all? They're saved by faith, right? Uh, so we can get caught up in opposite sides of the spectrum. I personally love legalism. I love rules. Give me a list of rules and please let me follow it. Even though I kind of have a problem with following rules, it's really weird, like an internal battle. Like I like rebellion, but I also want to know what you expect of me. So it's like, you know what, y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, or there are the people that think, well, what faith, what does it matter? Well, that really cheapens the grace of the one true God. When we live like we have a license to sin, that's basically spitting in the face of our Lord and his sacrifice on the cross. So these are two different extreme thoughts. Um, people often, oh man, I did it again. People often uh, read in James chapter 2 and they're like, but what about Ephesians 2, 8? For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith and this is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So doesn't that seem kind of contradictory when you hear it like that? He's not, he's not contradicting Paul in Ephesians. The Bible never contradicts itself. When we dig into the context of it, he's clarifying what a saving faith is. And that's what we're going to talk about today. There is a difference in a living faith and the faith that's talked about in verse 14 on your paper when it says, What use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has faith? but no works. Can that faith save him? That is a dead faith. There's, it's, as we move forward, you'll start to see the contradiction between the living faith and a dead faith. So, faith alone saved. That's very clear from Ephesians and James. Faith saves, but faith that saves is never alone. Verse 15, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, and yet you don't give them anything necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Is this like painful to anybody else to kind of read this stuff? No, not, not the length of it. The length of it is good. But do you ever think about the contrast? Like, how many times have we thought, we've heard that somebody needs something, we're like, I'm going to pray for you. I'll pray for you. It's prayer is not a cop out for work. Prayer and works go together. But people don't need like religious platitudes or religious words. Uh, they sometimes we need to just be in action as the body of Christ. It's hard. It's it's inconvenient uh, to move on behalf of other people because they're also God's children. It's messy. It causes weird interrelational conflict. It's just hard. But that it. it it can be hard all at once, but we're commanded to do these things. Verse 18, but someone may well say, well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one and you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. So there, I can't quote it. Okay. I should have wrote it down, but I didn't. But they used to recite this thing called the Shema, and it would say, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. And there's more to it, but I can only really remember the front of it. So when he's when he's talking to them right now, he's he's basically saying, You know that God is one. You have good head knowledge. You guys have good head knowledge. 
you do well, uh, the demons also know that God is one. So he's like, in my idea, he's going, uh, uh, you have all the right stuff up here, but if it doesn't travel here, then it's, it's useless. And the demons uh, have knowledge and shudder. A lot of times Christians have knowledge and have no idea they need to be shuddering. We should be shuddering. We should, because the word of the Lord, oh, sorry, I don't want to step on that. The word of the Lord is serious, and it's a gift to us, but it also carries a responsibility, and we can't skirt around it. So we can't um, see someone's face, but we can see their works. You can. You're not the judge of someone's salvation. You don't know what a work is in that person's life. So you can't see faith without works, but you can demonstrate the reality of faith by your works. Now, this isn't a, hey, you guys need to, you guys need to volunteer. Y'all need to like do something. Um, I don't want you to hear that you need to plug in more on a Sunday morning or you need to give your time to charity. What I actually would like for everybody to hear, that's uh, very painful because it's convicting for me, is the, the word works carries an idea with it, right, of, of your inner desire. So before we're at church on a Sunday morning, um, where do we spend our week? It's in our homes. It's with our husbands and with our children. That's where your works belong first and foremost, in the walls of your home. We have a responsibility uh, to treat our family with grace. It's so hard. Does anyone else have teenagers? it's hard like I really just want to like get him sometimes and sometimes I do get him um and this has been on my scope of prayer for a long time because I happen to be really good at using words as a weapon I'm sure none of y'all would be like that you could probably ask my husband because he's always like you probably shouldn't say that but uh, I don't want you to think well I just got to get outside of my house and go do all this stuff no you need to start in your house because who you are and the works that are displayed in your life, that's who you are Monday through Friday. Who you are on Sunday morning, it, that's not who you are. Sunday morning can be an act, and nobody will ever know the difference if they're not involved in your everyday life. But Christian women, we have homes and we have workplaces, and we have got to do the good works that God set in advance for us to do. It's part of salvation. You cannot divorce these two things. We have a responsibility. So I hope every single one of us goes home and I hope this keeps us up at night because I hope that our inner desires are to glorify God, God in our households with our spouses. That's a hard one. Y'all know that's a hard one. I love you. He's back there. But, but he, I think, also sees me making a really difficult effort sometimes when I don't want to. <laughs> um, but your spouse and your children know you better than anybody. And they should know that your faith is displayed by your works. And if they don't, then you need to change something is the reality. That hurts me. I said, Lord, this hurts when I was doing How am I supposed to tell anybody anything when it's so hard? Okay, verse 20. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the fr friend of God. Oh, 
You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. This is not contradicting itself. Oh, sorry. Abraham was justified by faith long before he offered Isaac. But his obedience in offering Isaac demonstrated that he did truly trust God. These things are not separate. Can you imagine what it was like to be Abraham? I can't fathom. I would immediately say, oh, uh, no, no, absolutely not. Um, I can't. Um, that's faith goals. As crazy as it would sound to someone that isn't a follower of Christ and acquainted with the word of the one true God, that is faith goals, that I would give up anything and everything to do what you told me to do, even though it could cost everything. Because he did not know at this time um, that God was going to stop him. And he knew that the inheritance of his people and his future and the promises of God hung on that boy. We, as American Christians especially, we are not willing to stake things on the word of God. And we have got to be willing to follow the example of these people. So I put this verse um, or this slide here because when I was a brand new Christian, I want to be mindful of new Christians because I spent a lot of time worried as a new Christian. Uh, I would hear things like this and instantly think, I'm going to hell. Uh, that's where my mind went because I came from a really rough past. And so um, I was already bent on, I don't deserve, I don't deserve, how can this be true? Because uh, the Bible makes perfect sense. You read these directions for everyday life, perfect sense, until you insert love. And then it's chaos in my mind. I can't, um, I'll never get over the love of God because it's the one thing um, that unravels the whole plot for me and makes it so much harder to imagine. So if you're new and a newer Christian in here or you're uncertain in your faith, I would like to talk to you. Uh, works accompany genuine faith because genuine faith is always connected with regeneration. That means being born again and becoming a new creation, when, as it talks about in 2 Corinthians 5.17. So this is not saying that all of a sudden everything you do is for the glory of God. This is saying that you're a new cre creation uh, and that God sanctifies you. And that's a lifelong process. So what's fruit for a, a Christian of 20 years might not be fruit for a Christian of 20 minutes. And that's okay. God will work out in you what God has for you. So when you hear things like this, don't doom yourself in your mind. God is working on you. It's never going to stop. It's always going to hurt. It's always going to be glorious. So my man, Charles Spurgeon, said, the grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. And he's referring to living versus dead faith. If you became a Christian or you've been a Christian for 20 years and your life has never changed, you need to question if you're a Christian. These are very hard things to say. Um, actually, it's really not that hard to say because I care more about where seeing you in heaven than I do being your friend on earth. So it's not hard to say. We need to be people that weigh ourselves out against scripture, not against the other mom or the person at your table or that girl in your life group or whatever. It does not matter. Put your blinders on. You need to weigh yourself out against the word of the living God and you will fall short. You're, you're gonna, but you need to press on. We always press on to be more and more like the Lord. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. 
For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Does it, do y'all know Rahab? Okay, so Rahab was a prostitute, a Gentile prostitute. I really don't think it gets any worse for somebody in that day and age. Hold on, time out. I'm after it, sure. Okay, so the contrast between Abraham and Rahab here. Remember when I was telling you earlier in the chapter, he was talking to them about partiality in the church? Well, this is a further, like, stab-stab on partiality. So you have Abraham, the father of many nations, and then you have Rahab, the harlot. Um, and Rahab and Abraham are both in heaven with the Lord. And that did not make sense to those people at that time. So he's rebuking their partiality, and he's showing them that work works accompany faith in every situation. Your background does not matter. It's not consistent. Faith and works are consistent in the, in the life of a follower of Christ. So I think that's so powerful that he automatically moves from, geez, like they thought Abraham was it. Our father Abraham, we're sons of Abraham, to the prostitute. Don't you know they were just sitting there confused? Thank God we have us. We have the example of Rahab. Thank you, Jesus, that you take what the world says is no good and you glorify it for your good. <laughs> so if no deeds are forthcoming, faith is dead. James is not denying that it's faith, but it's not the right kind. It's not living faith and it cannot save. So back in verse 14, what use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? That faith is the dead faith. And we need to be thinking on these things. We need to be thinking, is my faith displaying a living hope? Is it a living faith in the Lord? And it makes me think of an apple tree because, duh. The life of the tree is in the root and under the bark. The life is not in the apples. The fruit that is displayed, but if the tree is alive, it will produce apples in season. So... You don't, you know, you don't produce apples all year. No apple tree unless it's somewhere in a farm uh, that, that forces it to do that produces all year. Don't be discouraged if you feel like your works are out of season. You just keep following the Lord and trusting that God will produce in you what he has planned for you. But the thing is, an apple tree that never bears apples is not a living tree. They're made to to make apples. You are made by the creator of the heavens and earth to produce good works that he planned for you. And I have some quotes that I just like super love. So he, I can't speak King James. He does not say, faith is dead without works, lest it should be thought that works were the cause of the life of faith. But faith without works is dead, implying that works are the effects and signs of the life of faith. We have to weigh ourselves. I always think of, um, I think of it like in my mind, the vision of, you know how everybody has like the tattoo with the scales? Is that like a thing? I don't know. I've seen it on a lot of people, but the scale, right? The scales of justice, right? But that's what I see in my mind. Like you have the word of the God, word of God on one side and you need to be like continually weighing yourself out. If you feel yourself drop, you need to like do the thing, right? Repent, do the thing. And it's not that you have to work to be close to God, but it's that the grace of the Lord calls you 
and you need to stop running and we need to turn and repent and be continually weighing ourselves. I love this quote so much. Man is not justified by faith alone. That is by a bare and empty knowledge of God. He's justified by works. That is his righteousness is known and proved by its fruits. This goes back to when he said that even demons know. Like that is bare and empty knowledge. In fact, they probably know better than most of us ever will this side of heaven exactly the terror and awe of God. But their faith is dead because obviously they chose wrong. They, they're not reactive, right? They don't have, a, there's not a work in their book that could prove their faith. But we aren't called to be on the same um, intellectual level as the demons. There's no good in knowing better if we don't do better. We have a responsibility. And that's, oh, that's my last slide. Okay. So as we go forward from this, y'all should read James. Take this home. Like read over this. Pray over this. Look at this. Think about the way that we live Monday through Friday, not the Sunday morning version, not the version that uh, you give your best, right? That's not who we really are. Um, we need to weigh out who we are Monday through Friday when the church isn't looking or when your friends aren't looking. That's who we are. Who we are in the dark is, is the truest version of ourselves. And that, that version of us um, that's a lot less beautiful is the one that God continues to call to good works. Ow, that hurts my feelings, even saying it sometimes. has like a tall order, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit. He did not call you to produce good works without filling you with his spirit uh, to, get, to give you the grace to do the thing. So we need to take it full advantage, right? We have the Holy Spirit of the living God. So we don't need to live like we don't. We don't need to cheapen God's grace. We need to be people that are working in our homes and our families, living the gospel out. So I encourage you all to read James. You can send me your mean messages after that. If you haven't, actually spend time studying it. Like you'll get through chapter one and you're like, oh, like, whew, I have a black eye from reading chapter one of James. So um, now Jess is going to come up. Um, and give us a few announcements. But after that, spend some time talking to the people at your table. Pick one spot of your life that you're like, I, I know God has equipped me to do better here, and I'm not doing it. I have to change this. Put that on your paper airplane. How about that? Your paper airplane of goals and inside thoughts. <laughs> um, but let's spend some time talking about this because it's a heavy hitter topic. And But it, we can't shy away from what's difficult. We can't. We have to take it head on and entrust ourselves to the Lord. So we'll pray, and then Jess will come up. Father, thank you for your living word. God, we ask that it would truly like permeate our minds and our hearts. Uh, God, we want to bring you glory in the way that we live, and it's really difficult. It's so hard at home, especially. Um, I guess it's because we're most comfortable being our little sinner selves. Um, but Father, we just ask for better from you. We ask that we would run the race with all perseverance and all diligence and all effort. God, that we would um, chase after you so wholeheartedly that it would really change our homes. Um, our first ministry is a, a, a wife and a mother or um, a sister or an aunt. God, you've given us these relation, this beautiful relational work, and we just ask that you would um, work in us so that we would make the most of all of it, God, that we would uh, get to heaven with the candle burn at both ends in the best way. Fill us with the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, God. And um, we love you and we want to 
love you more. So increase our faith and increase our love and our works. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So before we like let you guys just, hopefully you'll take a few minutes and discuss it with who you're sitting with. Yeah, I found a phone. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, we're going to do a drawing. We ask, um, ask you guys to put your name in. So we want it to be a little fun for this one. This won't be every single time. So just come and you'll find out what's happening. So um, can I come back up? So I don't have to draw. So we're going to draw a name. Um, and whoever we call has to come up here and get this wonderful prize. You don't have to open it in front of everybody. I will not make you. Some people will. <laughs> You're going to grab one. Ready used to do this to the youth, but I won't do that to you. All right. No, sorry. Wait, drum roll. Just kidding. Just kidding. Oh. You can tell Kendall doesn't do these kind of things very often. You're supposed to hype it up. All right. Laura, come on down. Just kidding. Um, the other thing I just want to remind everybody, if you came into the back door, you probably haven't seen. We have a photo area out here. Please take advantage of it because when this is done, it's, it's like coming down. So get your pictures. Um, if you are the kind of people who post, will you put hashtag LifeChurchNB on it so it automatically shows up on our stuff? Um, and then if you want, you can send me the pictures as well. We're going to start trying to make stuff that happens here. So it's not just a picture. That's the goal anyways. So I'm going to give you a few minutes. If you have to leave, don't feel pressure. If you got to leave, leave. Um, but just kind of, if y'all want to discuss it, whatever happened today, whatever the Lord spoke to you, whatever it is, just kind of discuss it at your table with amongst each other. And then, um, and that's it. Other than when you leave out this door, there's actually food already bagged up if you want to take some stuff home. And there's still coffee if you need a refill.